0: Good morning. good morning. It is good to see you guys today. Welcome all those Facebook Live or join us on the internet. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we're in part three of a series called the Backwards Plan. And if you're this is your first time to the Grove, welcome. Thanks for coming. Uh, just so you know, you're in the middle of a conversation. So if you want to catch up, you can go listen online. You can uh, find out what was said the last two weeks. But this is part three. And the way we do, what we do at the Grove is we do series. And so we do take an idea and we'll go four to five, six weeks time, and we'll take this idea along along uh, for a while, for a few weeks, and just work it out. And so this series is called Backwards Plan. Here's the big idea of the backwards plan so you know. All right, the, the, the bigger idea is this, how to get to where I want to go from where I currently am. We all have aspirations, goals, dreams, something in the future that we want to accomplish. Like we all have this idea of where we want to be, um, and, and the series is saying how can we get from this current reality, this point here, to that point. In some cases, the reality we're in is not very good, and we don't know how we can get there. And so the last few weeks, we've been saying there's a way to do it if you really are intentional and you figure out how to make this work. A lot of people have done this before to figure out how to get to that goal and destination. Last week, I said, surely somebody in the history of the world has already solved the problem you're trying to solve um, or a challenge that you're trying to overcome. And you can learn from them. You can grow from them. And so we're trying to help you to get there. We said this, that we all end up at some place at some point, like in, in 10 years, 5 years – all of us are going to end up at some point in marriage, in our work, in our relationships. At some point, we're all going to end up somewhere. The question is, where do you want to end up? That's, that's the bigger question. When it comes to your relationships, when it comes to finances, when it comes to, to life, where do you want to end up? And you have to have a plan. We said that um, lack of clarity will keep you from those goals. And then we said this, that 20% of our population actually doesn't have any goals set. Uh, no destinations in mind. No targets that they've set for their lives. Um, 20% of our population... Uh, has, the other 80% doesn't. Uh, so 80% of our population doesn't think about that. They just kind of assume one day I'll just kind of end up there. One day I'm going to figure out how to get to that, that destination I really want. And then last, week we said, last week we said only 3% of population actually writes down those goals. And so if you've already begun to set goals, which we challenge the people, and uh, they begin to set some goals. They begin to write them down. You're in the top 3% of our population if, you've just, if you just begin to write them down. So it's important because uh, you can't hit a target that you don't aim at, and you can't hit a target that doesn't exist. So if there's a target that doesn't exist, you just you're never gonna ever be able to hit it. They, they, last week I shared, shared a research they did with 95-year-olds. And they asked them, if you could do life over again, what would you do? Well, this week I found another research project they did. They asked – these are 75-year-olds all right, who, who retired um, – we would call them um, successful executive, business executives. So they've been successful in the, in, the, in the realm of business. And they went and asked them, if you could do it all over again. So remember last year, the answers? Well, this comes from people who we would classify and say, these are successful people. Uh, just retired in their 70s. In their 70s and uh, this is the answers they came up with. So what would you do differently if you can do your life over again? The number one answer they all came back with, by far, way, way ahead of the other answers, was this. I should have taken charge of my life and set my goals earlier. I should have taken charge of my life and set my goals earlier because life isn't practice. It's the real thing. And so these guys looking back over, these people looking back over their lives, they realize that if I could do it all over again, man, I would have taken charge of my life. Remember, these are successful people that have done well. Looking back over their life, we would probably say they've done well. But this is what they said. I should have set my goals earlier. I should have tried to accomplish more. Essentially, they're saying I should have. I should have tried to accomplish more in my life. Uh, the other answers they came up with were these. Um, I should have taken better care of my health. Uh, number three is I should manage managed my money better. Uh, number four, I should have spent more time with my family. Uh, number num- number five was I should have spent more time on personal development. Uh, number six was I should have had more fun in life. I think that's a good goal. I should have had more fun. Number seven, I should have, I should have planned my career better. Um, Number eight is I would have given back more. So these are these people, we would say, are successful at some point in their life, and they, these are the things they said. I should have done these things more. I would have given more back. Uh, John Maxwell says it like this. He says it great. If you don't try to create the future you want, you must endure the future that you get. If you don't try to create the future that you want, you will have to endure whatever you end up with. It's your choice. A lot of people, know, unfortunately, a lot of people in our lives, they're just in, enduring the, the present reality because they didn't, they didn't try to create the future they wanted. Our goal for this series is to say, hey, let's think about the future we actually want. Let's go that direction. Let's get there. All right, so if you don't create the future you want, you have to endure the future you get. Jim Rohn says like this, if you don't design your own life plan, chances are you fall into someone else's plan. And guess what they'll have planned for you? Not much. Um, So if you don't design your own, you'll fall into somebody else's plan by default, and unfortunately, they're not going to have a whole lot planned for you. So we said in seven areas, spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally, financially, and vocationally, seven major areas of our life, what are the important things uh, that we should be doing with our lives? Um, Here's a couple of questions to answer as you think through these things, as we're setting goals and dreams for our lives, is um, are they clear enough, are they close enough, are they helpful? What I mean by clear enough is can you see it? it, is it, is it, are you able to keep it in focus, uh, is it close enough where you can actually attain it? So we talked about the first week that we should have a target. We should have a dream for our life in these different areas, right? So that, that should be the goal, the, the target. And then last week we talked about putting a plan in place. This is really putting goals along the, the way, marking a, a path so you can get to your dreams. So you, you, you begin to mark your, your, your goals to get there. And you have a plan to be able to fulfill that. Well, is it close enough? Is this goal in this week, is it, is it attainable? So that the next week you can actually attain it and you keep moving forward. And then is it helpful? Is it going to help other people along the way? And those are some ways to just ask these questions for us to be able to have great goals and, and, de- and destinations for our lives. Um, last week, the backwards plan, we said, so if your dream is – if that's your dream way over there, what do you need to do before that ever happens? And then you ask the question again. Okay, so if I, want, I want to do all this with my life. Well, I need to really do this. But before that happens, I need to do this. And before that happens, I need to do this. And before that, and do this. And we said last week, if you just ask that question, eventually get to a point where you say, today or tomorrow, whoa, today or tomorrow, there we go. Day or tomorrow, I, will, I need to accomplish these things to be able to get to that, that desired destination. Um, so I want to tell you about a story. I heard about these two guys uh, that raced to the South Pole in 1911, all right? This is more than 100 years ago. These two guys, one from Norway and one from England, all right? And they were, they were racing to the South Pole to be the first one to get to the South Pole and put their their, their flag in there to say we were the first ones here. Now, one of the last places on earth that, that nobody had gone to. So they were trying to get there. And it, 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 just think about this. 1911, no cell phones, all right? No uh, – no, the technology we have today, they're going to the harshest in some of the worst conditions you could possibly think of on the planet. And so they're racing to the, to the South Pole to be the first one to get there. Uh, in summer, it's not uncommon that it'll get down to negative 20 degrees in summer there, all right? And this is when they made the journey was in summer. So these two guys had this, had this goal. The, the dream was to be the first one to make it to the South Pole. Uh, Amundsen uh, from, from Norway and, and Scott from England. And they, they had a, a dream, and then they had a plan they put in place to be able to accomplish this. Like there's a lot of things that went into it. What's amazing is they've written a lot of books about, about these guys' journey, Um, There's been a lot of book stories written about them, the comparison. Because what's so great is there's almost a identical comparison between the two guys racing to the South Pole. One was 43, one was 39, had a lot of similar life experience, things that they did. But these two guys were racing. One of them led his team to victory, success, and 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 a journey back home. The other one led his team to to death. Uh, The five of them that were on his team, they all died in the South Pole. They didn't make it. Um, and, and they'd be asked the questions why. Why did one was so successful? Why was one not? They both had goals. They both had dreams. Uh, they both had a really – they had to plans in place. Why did one make it and one didn't? We're going to talk a little, about, a little bit about that. Uh, some would say, well, one had what you call bad luck. They other one had good luck. Uh, but here's the thing. When it came to weather, they both had 50%, 56% uh, days of bad weather. All right? So they had the exact same amount of weather. They left within days of each other. Um, by the time Scott – this is the guy that his team lost – by the time Scott got to the South Pole, he had found that the flag from Norway had already been planted there 34 days earlier. By the time Scott and his men got to the, pole, to the South Pole, Amundsen's team was almost back to their, their base camp, just a few days, easy days to get back to, the, to, the, to the, where they started. Uh, from that point, Scott and his team were just in survival mode. They were racing just to survive because they didn't have all the things they needed to have. If you look in the beginning, if you look at all the equipment they have, Scott's team looked like they'd be the stronger team. They had more people. Uh, they, had, they had newer technology, uh, motor, motor um, uh, sleds. Uh, they had ponies, a ton of ponies, um, where, where uh, Amundsen just had – he had um, Huskies, not just Huskies. He had Huskies. And what's amazing is, is, is if you look at their plan, one just had a better plan, and this is why he had a better plan. Uh, one of them – Went to, to, to the Eskimos to go learn from the Eskimos to figure out how have you survived in such harsh conditions for so long? He began to watch them. He watched. He looked at the clothes they wear. Why they wear loose, loose fitting clothes so that the sweat can evaporate and go away? Why they moved really slow and it's really cold so that you don't begin to sweat and get ice built up around your sweat? Um, Scott didn't do that. Uh, Scott took ponies, ponies sweat on their on their hide and, and they get ice and they get encased with ice and they 're not very good ponies' ho- hooves go into the snow, they post holes so they 're not very good at pulling' uh, so a lot of difficulties. so his motor k- carts they never test them in extreme conditions. they broke within the first few days, uh, so then he went to his ponies ponies didn't good, do good. So they killed the ponies, ate them for food, and the men begin to manhole these these sleds all the way to the South pole. Uh, Amundsen went and trained with the Eskimos to learn how to handle dogs and huskies and, and had a plan how to, how to be able to accomplish this. What's really cool about Amundsen is he had con- contingency plans in place just in case he got hurt or injured or died that his men would know what to do to get back home. Like there was plans he put in place. Every so many, so many uh, kilometers or miles, he would have markers on two, two points to mark where all of their journey is going along with black flags. So it would be easy to see it against the, the snow. And had all these plans in place. Um, Scott's team would put one marker every so miles, and that was it, which led them to catastrophe if they got off course just a little bit. Uh, what's really sad is Scott's team, they died just 10 miles away from their next food depot. Like they were just 10 miles away from being able to eat more food and survive, and they died. Uh, Scott's team died. Uh, Amundsen's team was very successful. You can see he took three tons for five men. Uh, Scott took one ton of supplies for 17 men. Uh, five of them went on the journey. as if, if you begin to look at it here 's the difference. They both had dreams. they both had plans, but one was better prepared. He did the, the hard work and the, the more preparation to be able to train for this trip, and the reason he survived is because he was prepared. Um, I really believe this is the secret sauce for the whole backwards plan. You have to be prepared for what comes your way. You have to be prepared. Because things come up, things, things arise, and they're not bad. Adversity is actually good for us if we will embrace it and realize this is helping us to become better. Here's the principle in the Bible. Right? Some of you are like, this is great, Scott, all this stuff. But what about the Bible? Like, what does God have to say about it? Well, there's a lot that God has to say about preparation and about uh, wisdom and about skill. Um, in Ecclesiastes 10.10, 10, it says if the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed. You're going to have to work harder. Um, but skill will bring success. But by, by sharpening this, the axe, doing the right things will actually give you success. So you can say it like this, skill equals success. Well, the question is, how do you build skill? You do things that are difficult and hard. That's how you build skill. Um, our, our team yesterday went for 70 miles. There was about 12 of us, some from Albuquerque, from Santa Fe. Uh, we rode 70 miles up the mountain, backside of the mountain. Uh, what's really funny is, I guess it's not funny, but it's, it's a great training day. Is It rained like crazy on us for half the day. Uh, so we're in the scorching sun, then we get to the East Mountain, and it pours on us, and then we're all cold. And one of the guys on our team, uh, Guy, I said, I said, Guy, you're the only smart guy on the team. And he says, you always prepare for the unexpected. I'm like, yeah, you're military. You always, you would say that. I said, I looked at the, I looked at the weather. They said clear skies all day. Where did this rain come from? And he said, you got to prepare for the unexpected. He was prepared. Nobody else was. I was cold. And then we hit hail. I don't know if you're riding a bike and get hit by hail. It's not fun. It hurts. And then we got in Albuquerque and it was like 98 degrees, something like that. It was like scorching heat again. So you're like, it was it was horrible. But it was great because that is probably the best conditions you could train in because it builds you to be stronger and ready. So we went through this day of training. There's a lot of adversity. There's these big hills you have to climb. Nobody likes riding a bike up a hill. It's hard. Everybody wants to ride downhill, but nobody wants to ride uphill. But skill will bring success. The reason we do really good on the five hundred is because we train for it, we prepare for whatever comes our way so we're ready to go. This is the principle. Skill will equal success in your life. But you only build skill by being intentional and saying, I'm going to train, I'm going to prepare to be able to accomplish these things. You know, Jesus' life, I think, is the best picture of the backwards plan. I think, I think Jesus, as our, as our leader, as our rabbi, as our, uh, the, you know, God's son who gave us an example to live, he has the best plan that if you want to look at a life plan, look at his, look at his life, all right? Some people would say, well, he only did three years of ministry, and then he was, he was brutally killed on this cross, and his ministry was cut short, But he did more in three years than most people will do in a lifetime. He was so intentional in what he was accomplishing that he was able to pour into 12 guys. There's more, about 72, some some more disciples on on the outside. But 12 guys, three of those really close. He took three years to disciple them and pour into them. That's where we get the word disciple. Somebody's becoming like the teacher, like the rabbi. He poured into them to be able to take his message forward. And in three years, he was so intentional living that what he's done has lived on and made the biggest impact in world history. Like he's by far – historians, whether they're Christians or not Christians, they would say he has the biggest impact in the history of our world. Like he, his, his, his life has impacted our world tremendously in three years. What would it look like if we lived that kind of life, that intentional with intentionality like him? What would it look like? Well, A lot of people say well, it was three years. Well, it's not just three years. Really? He began his ministry around age 30, some would say maybe 32 even, he was probably 33 to 35, and so we would say three years, but really those 30 years, the Bible it's, it's, it has a little bit to say, but it's not completely silent. In 30 years, I would say he was preparing for those three years. So he took a lot more time sharpening the axe, sharpening the saw, so that when it was time to cut, he was able to accomplish a lot. Does that make sense? That's the principle here of preparation is he was preparing so that when his opportunity came, he was able to strike and be able to do, do it well. So 30 years of building up, this is what it says in Luke 2.52. It says, a little glimpse into his childhood, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So in 30 years, he was, he was growing, he was maturing, he was becoming wise. He was asking questions, he was learning, he was, getting, he was preparing for the future. And we don't see a lot about what, what took place in those early years, but we know this, he was preparing he was getting ready for it. See, in our culture, it's hard. We think, all right, just all of a sudden one day I'm going to wake up and there, bam, I'm going to be at my goal. One day I'm going to be where I want to be. No, it doesn't happen on accident. You don't just wake up one day. You prepare for stuff like that you, along the way. Another story of the Bible is the story of King David. So King David is a young shepherd boy. Um, and it says that, that we know the story that, that David, he fought Goliath, right, on the battlefield, and he kills this giant. So David's a teenage boy. This giant is a, is a warrior, a champion of, of, of fighting, of battle, because he's huge. David takes him out on the battlefield just one-on-one, and he kills him. And we would say, wow, he was pretty lucky. He's a young boy. He kills him. No, he had nothing to do with luck. See, at some point in David's life, when he was taking care of the sheep, somebody at some point gave him a sling. He began to practice that sling. You know, he didn't rocks walk down. He didn't sticks or wood or whatever and then at some point his sheep were attacked by a wolf or something and he was able to attack that get him off and then the bible says that at one point he actually fought a lion and protected his sheep from a lion and then at one point he he fought a bear and learned how to fight that and over and over david was preparing for something and he goes to the battle line here's this giant mocking his his army his country and nobody's doing anything for 40 days and David stands up and says, why is nobody challenging this guy? Who's this chump? He's talking about God like that. He stands up. He, he, he gets into the battle, and he defeats a giant. It was because of all the preparation that was leading up to this time. And he also had a word from God saying, David, you're going to be the next king. So David has his word from God. I'm going to be the next king. Um, he's been preparing. His opportunity comes, and he strikes, right? He'd been sharpening the saw, sharpening the saw, sharpening the ax. Opportunity came. He was able to be able to take advantage of that opportunity that came his way. It's preparation. Here's the thing. Every single day, you are preparing to become somebody. You're preparing to have different kind of circumstances or results in your life. Amundsen faced the exact same harsh weather. Um, did I even compare that? With, go back to that slide for me real fast. I forgot to even show you the quote. Look, listen to this quote. Victory. This is from Amundsen. Victory awaits him who has everything in order. Luck, people call it. But defeat is certain for him who has neglected to take the necessary precautions in time. This is called bad luck. That's how he viewed good luck and bad luck, is people who were prepared and people who were unprepared. Look at how so Scott viewed luck. Our luck in weather is pre- preposterous. Same exact weather all right, that, that Amundsen had. Our luck in weather is preposterous. It is more than our share of ill fortune. How great may be the element of luck. Scott blamed everything on luck. Amundsen, he, he took all the credit for, for being prepared, be ready. Now go back to the other slide. I don't know where I was. Um, one was ready. He said it's, it's not luck. It's the person that's being prepared. It's the one that's getting there. Jesus tells us this parable of giving these three uh, managers some talents. It's money. It's amount of money. He says to one he gave this amount of money, the next amount of money, the next one. Um, and and each each manager was required to take care of the boss's money, the talents. And so they come back, the master comes back from being out of town and says, what have you done with my money? What have you done now with my talents that I've given you? And the first one says, well, I've doubled it. And Jesus turns to him and says this, the master was full of praise for this first servant, this first manager. He says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. This manager, the first manager was able to double his master's money because he was used wisdom. Why? I believe he was being prepared for something, and then he was able to strike into his opportunity. The third manager did nothing with his manager's money, got it all taken away and given it to this first manager. But notice what the, what the master says. He was full of praise, saying, well done, good and faithful servant. What are you doing with the things God's given you today? God's given you a life. He's given me a life. What are we doing with those opportunities he's given us, with our family, with the, those around us? The story ends like this. The story of this, the parable of the, of the talent says, to those who use well what they have been given, even more will be given, and they will have it in abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have done will be taken away. When you use well what God's given you, he gives you more of it. That's resources, that's, that's relationships, that's, that's, that's finances, uh, that's health, it's all these things. When you use those things well, the Bible says the principle is when you're faithful with a little bit, you can handle more. David was faithful with little things along the way. He was able to handle the giant. All of us want, all of us, all of us would like the success of killing a giant, but not all of us wanted to put in the hard work of killing the the lion and the bear, and maybe even the rodents or whatever else he was killing in the beginning. Not all of us want to put the hard work in, but here's the here's the point: is you have to begin to clear the path. So the first week we said, "What is your dream in these different areas of your life? What's your dream? Right? What's your target that you're aiming at? Because if you don't aim at a target, you're never going to hit it. it Make sure you have a dream. Then last week we said, let's let's begin." Like, what's going on? And then you begin to walk backwards and say, "Let's put a plan in place. What does this look like to get to that goal, that destination?" We said this. Well, today is all about clearing the path. And this doesn't make making the path easier. It's not like, no, it's just me. I don't know. I got like electricity going through me today, or something. It's not that we're making the path downhill because any path worth going usually is uphill. It's not downhill. But when you clear the path, which is the point of today in preparation and training, it's that when you face the heels, all of a sudden they're not as bad as they used to be. See, when I ride my bike the first time every year, I want to throw up, literally. I ride 10 miles, and last year I actually threw up. Uh, my friend was riding. I was trying to queue up with him, and I, it made me sick because I'm pretty competitive. And I got to this point after a heel, I threw up. I was like, oh, my goodness. I hurt, my stomach hurts so much. The first ride is horrible. You ride up a heel, it it's, it's no fun. But then the second time you ride that heel, it's like, oh, it's not as bad as last time. And the first 20 miles, you're a little sore. And the first 30 miles, you're a little sore. But then the next time you ride 30 or 40 miles, you're not as sore. And every time along the journey that you begin to add a little more difficulty, adversity, you build the endurance to be able to accomplish these things. It doesn't happen on accident. That's the same thing as clearing the path. It's saying there's my my goal. Here's the plan. I'm going to work. Now today I'm going to prepare for the future. What I'm doing now is going to help me to get to my future. And all of a sudden when you hit those hills, because you've been preparing, it's not that big of a deal. Oh, a giant, a, bat, a, a champion of a man? No worries. I'm ready to take him on because I've been preparing for this my whole life or my whole last year. Does that make sense what I'm saying today? You guys with me? So this is the next step in the backwards plan is it's preparing. Uh, when Every year you know, after Christmas, I have a hard time exercising during the, the holidays for some reason. I don't know if you're like me. I just I, – I stop riding my bike, all this stuff. Well, January February come, and I'm like, all right, now you're up again to start getting trained for uh, – last week I did um, – my second triathlon is a sprint triathlon. Um, I do this not not to – I'm not trying to brag here, but I do this to, to compete against myself. So I saw my times from last year and then my times from this year. My whole goal was, Eric, just get as close as you can as last year or beat yourself. I'm like the whole field, that's okay. Don't worry about them. Just you're, you're competing against yourself. And for me, it's a gauge. And so I, I did better in swimming this year. I did worse in cycling um, for different reasons. And I'm figuring out, like, okay, these things, they, they affect me. They, they have – I should do this. So next year, I'm going to do better than both years just because I'm I'm more prepared. I'll be ready to be able to face those things. That's what clearing the path is. It's saying, how do I understand how life works so that when I get there, I'll be ready to take it on? Like I'm I'm ready for things. You know, I I read that um, our culture, if we had some kind of catastrophe or emergency, um, people in their house only have three days of supplies to be able to survive on. That's like the norm for our country. So if our water shut down, whatever – People will be able to survive three days with what they have at home, and then they'd probably freak out. Um, so being prepared is saying, "What can I plan for if something came up that I would I would have?" And here's what's great about planning is you have a little bit more peace. You're not worried about it. Uh, like my, my family, I have um, some food. We have some some dry goods like that are stored and stuff like that. It, it's not like cause I'm freaked out, worried that the world's gonna end. But if something did come up. I wouldn't freak out. It gives me peace that I I know my family will be taken care of for so many days. And then my parents live down the street, and they have, like, cupboards full of stuff. And I'm like, once we run out here, we're going down to my parents' house. (laughs) I got my plan, all right? And it gives you peace. You can sleep at night not worrying about what will happen. And I'm not trying to make you, like, stay up tonight or anything. But you have to think through different things. When you're prepared and things happen, you're not freaking out. Amundsen was was so prepared – that he didn't have to worry about things. They brought more food home with them than they probably. Than Scott probably took his whole trip. All right? He was prepared. Proverbs says like this. Proverbs 17.24 says, sensible people keep their eyes glued on wisdom. That's a great little picture there. Glued on wisdom. They have the goal in mind. They know what they're doing. They're trying to get the path to keep going. But a fool's eyes wanders to the ends of the earth. Like, what am I doing again? Oh, yeah, it's Monday. What am I supposed to be doing? They forget what their goals are. They forget what their life's about. They just they, – they miss it. And here's the thing about the journey is if our, if our goal is over there and some of us hopefully wrote some really big goals, well, wherever you are, there you are. Now, this is going to sound really weird, but wherever you are, there you are. So if you're a really horrible person now, when you accomplish your goals, you're not going to be a nice person. Like wherever you are on this journey, there you are. A big part of this journey is God saying, I want to work in you to become the best person you can be. If you're an angry person here, and your goal is to be the manager or the boss of the company, you're going to be an angry boss. And nobody wants to work for an angry boss, right? So on this journey somewhere, you also have to pay attention to who you're becoming. It's not just about reaching a goal. It's about what, who you're becoming on this journey. So this week, who are you becoming? Who are you allowing God to work in you so you can, you can have more? Because wherever you are, there you are. If you're not happy now with $10... You are not going to be happy with a million dollars, I guarantee you, because it, those things don't change the character of you. But when you work through hard things, those begin to change your character. Those begin to give you confidence in living. The point is not the goal. I think the point is the growth towards the goal. That's what I really believe. So if your goal is to give away a lot of money one day, that, that, that's a great goal to have. But the point is on this journey, at some point, you're going to get to this place where you say, man, money does not have a hold on my life. I can give it away without worrying about it because God's blessed me. Does that make sense? You're becoming something along the way, and that's more important than the goal. So I would say be growth-minded, be growth-oriented, growth, growth that every single day you're saying, how can I become a better me? How can I challenge this so I can get better and grow? Because who you're becoming is more important than just where you arrive. Now, I think a lot of people when they get to heaven are going to be very disappointed because they're just – they pray a prayer, and they're, they're going to go to heaven and be excited. And when we get there, they're going to be like, what? Like I didn't work on any part of me so that when I get there, I have more joy or whatever. It's going to be – you're going to still be you. And there's going to be parts of you where you're going to have to work through. And you're be like, what? I have to work here? Like I didn't know I was going to have to work here. Well, the Garden of Eden is a good picture. Like he's going to have jobs for us. There's going to be stuff to do. But there's joy in that when you understand that that's part of life. It's not just sitting on your hands and letting people feed you strawberries or grapes or whatever you eat. All right, here's the question. Let me ask you a question. All right, what do you call a billionaire? What do you call a billionaire who has multiple uh, failed marriages and kids who resent him? Successful. In our culture, we would call a billionaire with multiple failed marriages and kids who resent him successful. Why? Because we measure the wrong things. Yeah, I would say broke is yes, you're all right. He's broke relationally. He's broke in a whole bunch of other ways. But our culture would say, man, this guy has billions of dollars. He's successful. Is he? Who you're becoming is so important. I bet this guy, a billionaire like that, on the way the journey of making all this money, he didn't think along the journey he was going to break all these relationships that he's going to look back on and say, man, I really wish I would have paid more attention to what was really important. You're right. He's broke relationally and other, probably other parts of his life. Because here's the thing is, is we have to allow God to work on our lives as we move forward. Our culture calls that success. I would say God says he's missing the point. Don't miss the point. You have one chance at this life. And here's the thing, too. Um, how you behave is more important than what you do. On this journey, okay, if your goal is to make a lot of money, whatever it is, those aren't bad goals. But how you behave on the journey is more important than getting to your destination. If you're a jerk here, nobody's going to like you down there. If you don't like life now, you're not going to like life over there. You see you see reality tv all the time people they lose the weight they do all the things and then there's this battle they have to fight of trying to overcome all the other stuff because they didn't do the hard work of preparing to become that person they did a lot of times the easy work and you know exercising is difficult but there's other hard things like the heart and all this other stuff you have to work on i need to move on because i need some other stuff to say um who you become is important in the process parkinson's law i found this this week i thought it was interesting is it says this that work expands to fill the time available for its completion which means if you have one letter to write in a day, it'll take you all day. But if you have 20 letters to write in a day, you'll get all 20 done. Why? Because work expands to fill the time available for completion. This is why they say like in government jobs, it's really difficult to get people a lot of times to be productive because they have one task to do, and it'll fill the whole day to do that task. It's not bad. It's just management, and, and we're learning this to get better. But if you had 20 jobs, you would get them all done in one day. Why? Because time, you, the, the work expands to fill that time available. Uh, the point is this all right if you have if you have one letter to write your whole life, it's going to take your whole life to write. But if you've had all these other things to be able to accomplish in life, you'll be able to accomplish them because the things that you set in your life you will accomplish it hello it's the uh there you are, Mike I lost my complete my whole thought um letters fill your life you write them guys yes start writing those letters be intentional with life i don't know i it was a really good point too so man bummer it went away um john maxwell says it like this about the, about the parkinson's law he says this under normal conditions we are efficient that's doing the right things all right being efficient is doing the right things but when time pressures mount and emergencies arise like a 500 mile bike ride that's coming up right you become more effective doing the right things so when you have a pressure on you This is why we prepare – that's what I was going to say. This is why we prepare so well for our life the week before vacation, right? Because we get all our work done. Why? Because we are doing the effective things. We're doing the things that need to get done, not Facebook. And here's the truth. Um, Our biggest obstacle to life is this right here. The reason we don't accomplish a lot we we have because we spend all our time scrolling and looking at things that aren't going to help us get there. Um, It's not a bad thing. It's just a thing you have to be aware of. Am I going to spend my whole life looking at somebody else's life? Or am I going to live my own life? Am I, going to, am I going to compare what I don't have to what other people pretend to have because they're picturing all, putting pictures up? Or am I going to just allow God to lead me on this journey? And this is going to be the thing that will keep us from accomplishing a lot of things in our life um, if you don't do it. So efficiency is the foundation for survival. Effectiveness is the foundation for success. Amundsen was effective. all right. Efficiency, I think the other guy was looking for efficiency. Amundsen was successful because he focused on doing the right things. What are those right things in your life? Um, and then here, here's the last thing is um, – I'll just skip through this, but you go through it. Your suitcase is the best indication of your destination. Whatever you have currently in your suitcase, I can predict where you're going. If I look in your suitcase right now and you have a lot of warm clothes, I'm predicting you're going up somewhere either far north like to the Canada or, or way south like to the end of Argentina. Why? Because you have warm clothes on. It's summer here, so you're, you're preparing for somewhere cold, Right? Your suitcase is the best predictor of where you're going to end up in life. If you're stacking up a lot of debt in your life, and that's what you're putting in your suitcase, you're not going to have financial freedom at the end of the day. You will have less money when you get down to the end. If your suitcase is full of arguments and strife in your house, your destination is not going to be a friendly family. If what you're packing in your suitcase is a lot of hidden secrets, you're not going to have freedom when you get down the road. Does that make sense? look in your suitcase and think who am i bringing with me what am i what am i taking with me on this journey it's great great way everyone so if only 20 percent set their goals all right targets and only three percent write them down here's what i learned only one percent actually review their their life plan on a regular basis why don't you be the one percent you know who's making the biggest difference in our world that one percent who's reviewing their goals you know who writes all the books and sells all the books the one percent who set out to their mind their hearts to do accomplishes things Everybody else is just watching to see what they do. How about it's our time to be and have bigger dreams for our lives, greater things that we can accomplish, and invite God on this journey to help us? Um, in my life, you know, I, the first week I began to read some of my goals. They should be accessible, you should be able to review them really easy. So, for my life, when it comes to targets, spiritual, spiritually, I said, I want to be able to, willing, I want to be willing and able to say yes to whatever God asks of me. So, when I look at my goals, this is what I'm saying God. Let this be let – me, let me accomplish all of these and more for your glory. Like help me to accomplish these things. So spiritually, I want to be willing and able to say yes to whatever God asks me. When God says run, I say how fast. When he says go, I say okay. That doesn't happen on an accident. That takes a lot of trust. That takes a lot of preparation and building up to a point where I can say, God, you know it's better than me. I'm going to do it. It's not just an easy goal. It's, it's hard. So how do I get there? My plan is, well, I need to get God's word in my life. So I need to have a daily habit of reading my one-year Bible. Uh, do it with my phone, do it with my Bible. Um, I need to have I need to have uh, good disciplines in my life like fasting, a spiritual discipline. I need to have um, giving as as a part of my discipline that God talks about. Money can't hold on to me. How do you break that? You learn to give it away. Um, I need to have a, a strong prayer life. That's the way you become healthy spiritually. Right. So those are my that's my plan. I, and then I have specific things that I put there what I need to do uh, mentally. I never want to stop learning. So how do I do that? I'm always asking people questions. Like I, around other leaders, I have lists of questions that I ask them. Like, what's the best book that you could recommend to me? I was 19 19 years old. I went to a pastor. I said, here, I'm starting to become a pastor. What would you recommend to me to read? What would you recommend that I learn? And he said, just, just do me a favor. Just start reading John Maxwell. That'll get, that'll, that'll get you on a good journey. So I started reading John Maxwell. I read everything I could find John Maxwell, a leadership guy. And then after a while, John Maxwell was cool, but I noticed that he would always reference these other people. So I began to follow the trail, and I, followed, I began to read the guys that he was talking about. And I just kind of went down, and I began to learn so much more. Why? Because I asked somebody a question. What would you recommend I read? Well, leadership. So I began to read leadership. Um, so my goals have questions to ask people so I can learn from everybody. And there's some personal stuff, how many books I want to read each year. Um, physically, I want to be active for as long as I possibly can, which means my heart and body can't be the thing that take me out. So i got to set intentional things. Uh, this year for the triathlon, I didn't want to do it. Um, but I told myself last year, you need to have some kind of gauge to measure yourself. Uh, you don't have to be like way better or way worse. Just have a gauge so you can see where you're at every year. Uh, so I did it. 500 miles, I signed up for that because we do a lot of good. That's the biggest reason. But also because it, it gives me something to push to to be healthy. Um, for, for my family... I said this I said uh, that that I will like my wife more when my kids move out than when i than when I did before I married got married um, well that doesn't have an accident that means we have to have date nights that means we have to have ongoing communication um, marriage books, and she's reading more books than I am now it's pretty amazing uh, so she's she's learning and growing we we have to grow together because it takes two people to be healthy um, when it comes to my kids, I said to my kids, I want them to be like me, um, I want them to be able to say you know, I want to be like you, dad. I want, I want Joaquin to say, I want to treat my wife the way you treat mom. I want my daughters to say, I want to marry a guy who, who's like you. That doesn't happen on accident. It takes intentionality. Uh, let me show you a picture we have. Um, this week, I, I snapped this picture on my phone. Uh, we have this app you could download. It's called Parent Q. So parents, if you have kids and G-Kids right now, go download Parent Q on your phone, and it'll give you a video that they watched in church. It'll give you some scriptures that they're learning about. Every single week, it updates you so you know... Um, what they're learning but what's really cool about parent Q is it has this little stat every time you open the phone on the far left Joaquin he has 414 weeks till graduation you see the little white thing around the the circle that's how many weeks I have left with him until he graduates Nova over here on the other hand you can see how much white we have around her she's got 793 weeks till graduation and we have more time with her and then the girls in between say a little, little more than half Aaliyah almost three quarters still with her but Joaquin, that's like, I'm like, oh my goodness, I have less than half the time that I've already had with him. Like we've used up half of our time before graduation already. That's kind of um, sobering, and it wakes you up to like think like, what are you going to do with this life? Well, what are we preparing them for, and how am I preparing and practicing so that when he's 16 and 17, he can come to me and say, Dad, can I be honest with you? Can I talk to you about something? That doesn't happen on accident. These things don't happen on accident. If my goal is them to find somebody like me to marry – I have to be a really good example. If I want my kids to be good drivers, then I have to be a good driver. And everybody said, ouch, right? Because they're watching us. If I'm cussing and yelling at people, flipping them off all the time in the car, I'm not. But if I am, I can expect the kids to cuss and yell and flip off everybody in the car. If I'm driving like a maniac, I can expect my kids to be like a maniac. Why? Because I am preparing to become somebody on this journey, and so are you. And I'm preparing those to come behind me to become somebody on this journey, and so are you. If your habit is to just use the credit card for everything, your kids will follow that pattern, and they'll use the credit card for everything, and there will be no financial freedom. Um, in, in, for us as a church, man, I, I have so much more to say. This is crazy today, and I'm already out of time. But here's the thing for our church. You know, our church operates our, – our goal, our plan is to operate on 80% of what comes in. So we save 10%. That's, that's wise. And we give away 10%. So 80%. So when you give money, we operate on 80%. 80%. So if we want to do more good, that means our 80% has to – increase so we can do more good last week i challenged you in your financial plan make make it a very intentional you would say i want to be a part of helping the kingdom of god expand through the grove and make it a, make it a priority the uh, bible talks about percentage giving um, i might not be able to give more than a lot of people in this church but i know i can give percentage-wise more and so my goal is how can i give more percentagely every more percentage every year away why not to show off but to say that money doesn't have a hold of my life and I want to do good with what God's given me. And you know what the, what the great, amazing thing is? When I'm faithful with a little bit, God gives me a little bit more. And through my whole life, I've seen this over and over because my parents taught me at a young age, tithing is important. Giving back to God the first, the first fruit is so important. Why? It's a faith statement to say, God, you're first even in my finances. You're first in my life. All the principles in the Bible, if you apply them, they work. They're so good. They help you to accomplish more in life than you could on your own. So here's my challenge. Um, take pictures of your kids, all right, and then put them on your phone. No, that's not my challenge. My challenge is clear the path. All right, prepare for what's ahead. Clear the path. Prepare for what's ahead. And that takes work. That takes thought. That takes this. This backwards plan doesn't happen in two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. This is an ongoing thing. My goals, the things I'm writing here, they're changing. I'm adding things every year to get me, get me more. I want to start a bucket list so I can start saying I want to accomplish things in my life. Those aren't. Those are more like fun things I want to do. But if you don't write them down, you never do them. So start writing them down. Start vocalizing them. Start preparing for those days that you can. Clear the path. Clearing the path is saying, what can I do today? Prepare for tomorrow. When I go exercise and I have to leave early in the morning before my kids wake up, um, if I don't prepare my bag the night before, I usually don't go exercise. Why? Because I don't want to wake up everybody. I have all these reasons not to go exercise. But if I get everything ready the night before… I wake up early in the morning. I slip out. Nobody even knows I'm gone. I get in the car and I'm gone. I go exercise. Why? Because I prepared for the next day. What are you preparing for today so you can accomplish tomorrow? Because you are. And in some cases that's a negative. You're preparing yourself for heartache and hurt or you're preparing yourself for something really good. Um, Jeremiah 6.16 says this. Stand at the crossroad and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you'll find rest for your souls. One of the greatest things that I get to do as a pastor, is the end of service, I get to challenge many of you who are in this room. You're far from God. As I talk about these things, you're not on a good path. Um, You don't have a relationship with maybe broke relationships. Maybe um, you're, you're, you're you're in this room today, and you know that what I'm talking about you want. Like, I want these things for my life, but there's a disconnect we talked about last week. A lot, of, a lot of times we live our life as our, our choices don't affect the outcomes, but they do. And today, my invitation is if you're here today, and one, if you don't know God, that you would, you would begin to invite God into your life start a relationship with him. Um, and then two, you begin to trust his way better than your way because it works. And today, if you're in this room today and you want better things, you want to be able to accomplish good with your life. And uh you, you need to make a decision to begin to start it's it's you stand at this crossroad and you're looking. Today many of you are at this crossroad and you're looking like he just talked about all these goals for my life that God has and wants me to accomplish, and I have all this other stuff that I really would well I would rather have, but it doesn't lead anywhere good. So I'm at this crossroad, where do I go? Do I go for God or do I go for myself? And today I would say, Choose God. Choose God. That path is way better. Is it easier? Not necessarily. Sometimes it's harder. But the payoff is way greater than if you went your own way. And so all that, to say, all that to say this. If you're going the opposite way from God, turn around and go back to God. See, the Bible says that we've all sinned. We've all messed up. We've all made mistakes. But if we're willing to say, God, forgive me of my choices, he comes and he hears us and he forgives us of our sins. It's an amazing thing he does. So do me a favor, would you close your eyes and bow your head as we close service today? If that's you today and you need to say, God, forgive me my sins, I want to go on your path. Would you do me a favor and raise your hand so I know you're here today? I won't call you up just from your seat. Thank you, I see your hands. I see your hands. Anybody else? You're at the crossroad. You have a choice to make. You're preparing for something. It's about time you choose God's way, not your own way. Anybody else? Opportunity. If that's you, would you raise your hand and say to me? I, I need to make that decision today. Awesome. For you that raised your hand, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer, just from your seat. It's a prayer of invitation for God to come into your life. You're asking God to lead the way. God, I want to go down your path. Bible says if we if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins, and He opens up our life and gives us a new start. So for all you that raise your hand as you pray this prayer, I just want to say. Good job. Today you start a new journey. And let this week be the best week of your life as you follow through and you follow him. If you prayed that prayer, pray with me. If you're a Christian in this room, would you join us in praying so they're not praying alone? Say this. Say, Father God, today I give you my life. Forgive me of my past. I believe you you sent your son to die on that cross for me. And today I accept that on my behalf created me a new heart, a new person. Come into my life and lead me. Be my God. Today I choose to follow you and give you my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Remember said,